All right, if you want live reaction for the 2022 NBA draft, we have it right here for you. We are a little tired. I know it is 12.30 a.m. Central Time. Leaf is in Hawaii, but shout out to Leaf for covering the NBA draft while he's on vacation. But stay tuned for our reaction for the 2022 NBA draft night. What is up? What is up? You are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, which is your daily NBA draft podcast. I'm Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. I got my team with me again. This is four nights in a row. We got Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft or the Clip God. We got Sam Ferris, Draft Dummies aka the intelligent one and we got leaf Tulane, who is known for being the grinder that watches more college basketball than anyone else all right let's just get right into it crazy draft night i can't really keep up with all the moves that took place so i kind of have this the app open that is keeping track of everything we'll start off with the shocker of the night paulo bancaro going number one i know i've been on the Bancaro bandwagon all season. I've had him as my number one prospect, and I still didn't see him going number one. Were you guys shocked that he went number one, or were you paying attention to the lines and the odds, and you felt like it was a strong possibility? Uh, Yeah, I'll go. So the two most, like, uh, shocking things tonight probably were Paolo going number one, but also – the newsbreakers like Woj, Shams, uh, messing up a number of times, including the second pick, not getting trades right. Uh, a little upsetting that they don't wait for stuff to get it right. They're just trying to get it out first. But um, in terms of Paolo, though, going number one, I'd say I was surprised but not shocked. I think three, four nights ago, I tweeted out something like, are we sure that Paolo's not going number one? Because the odds seem like a really good value right now. And a day or two after I tweeted that, then the odds really started to move. Not saying I had like any uh, uh, any matter in that happening, but I wasn't shocked, but I was still surprised. I thought it was kind of interesting though that the Magic were kind of able to fool basically all the mainstream mock drafters all the way up until, until draft night. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and Orlando, I mean, uh, actually, not even Orlando. Let's just talk about the tipping. The tipping is something that has become controversial. Um, and I think you said it best. It's a who can get it first, not even who can get it right first. It was really interesting because for us, I, I think I speak for all of us, we were doing almost a Suedo live show in a way. So we were just keeping up on Twitter, trying to get those picks so we could react, get our thoughts together and everything like that. And it really threw everything off. I mean, from Chris Haynes getting Jabari Smith not going to the um, to the Rockets, he had him to the Thunder, I think, at number two, really trying to throw a wrench in it. It was just a really bad look, and I wonder what happens now going forward with those tipping picks. Do they do a whole live show dedicated to accurate before the ESPN show like they did with the Woad show? I think it was like four or five years ago, something like that. But in terms of actual picks, the top five was – Pretty, I, I would say Paolo going number one was just as surprising as Keegan Murray going number four. 
Um, I thought, I think everybody talked themselves into Jaden Ivey going to the Kings. Well, at least I, I feel like we knew that that the Kings had dinner with, with Murray, and I feel like that had came out earlier in the week with, with Ben Carroll. You started seeing the odds kind of shift a little bit. And then once they started shifting, Woj went back and said, no, it's going to be Ben Carroll one. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Jabari number one, Holmgren two, and then uh, Ben Carroll number three. And so it's like he doubled down on it when the odds were saying something totally different. Go ahead, Leaf. Yeah, I wasn't stunned by the pick as Raphael was the leader of the band Carol bandwagon. I I was a I was a passenger on that. I had him number one on the board, and I I thought I thought there was a chance that they'd go best player available because the Magic front office is very well known for keeping their cards close to their chest, and so I thought there was it wasn't like a slam dunk. It would be Jabari just because they've not tipped their cards ever before. So I, I thought there was a possibility, and actually about a week and a half ago, I was looking at odds, and I was, I was texting a few friends. I was like, man, I might pull it at 1300 Like, that that seems so good, but I was like, maybe I'll just be wasting money because it seems like Jabari's a lock. So I'm kicking myself now, but happy to see the Magic uh, go with who I perceive to be the best player available and not stunned, but the, the Ivy not being picked didn't shock me because of he, Ivy said he didn't want to be there and, and dinner with Keegan Murray. But it did shock me that they weren't able to make a trade. Um, and I think that's something that's not getting spoken about enough is that the Kings have been so linked to trades, but now they, they settled on Keegan Murray, who's a great player in of his own self, but Jaden Ivey's the allure. And there was no trade that was really brought up on draft talks or anything like that. It was just Keegan Murray, and then they moved on, and Jaden Ivey went to Detroit, and that's taking the headlines, and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they had plenty of offers. They just didn't have any that they liked. And it sounds like they really, really liked Keegan Murray anyway. And, and that's where I got out of it. I know uh, yesterday on the Hot Takes show, I said that the Kings would make the right decision. I guess we'll find out in, in, in the near future if that was correct or not. All right, let's talk about the Pistons. I think the Pistons won the draft. I feel like... They got the the perfect amount of youth and athleticism. They got complimentary guys. What are your thoughts on that, Richard? Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. You look at a team that needed front court help, and they got Jalen Duran. They're probably going to be the front runners for DeAndre Aiden. And then on top of that, they got another guard to take the pressure off of Cade Cunningham to be the lone ball handler. Killian Hayes has been a disaster in the two years he's been there. They made the right move by picking another guard. Maybe having those two guys can unlock a little bit more for Killian Hayes, put him in a wing role, let him be a just defensive minded player only and see what happens to the offense. But I just really like what they did from a personnel perspective. They went from one of the worst front courts in the entire NBA to having full confidence. Obviously this is yet to happen, but having full confidence in what, if what we expect with DeAndre Aiden potentially signing, and if they re-sign Marvin Bagley and they have Isaiah Stewart and they have Jalen Duran, suddenly they have a very good young core of big men. Do you quick before I go to somebody else? Do you think that they're still going to go after Aiden after making this trade? I don't see why not. I don't really think their games overlap enough to to make it a one or the other kind of outlook. Yeah, it just it's just my opinion. I think that they're. I mean, Duran is going to be their, their starting center. I don't even think there's a need to go after Aiton right now because, I mean, how do you develop <laughs> How do you develop Duran if, if you're going to have Aiton there? What are your thoughts about that, Leaf? 
I thought the Pistons dominated the draft. I thought they won it by a landslide. Uh, I had Jaden Ivey ranked number three on my board, and I, I've been on this saying that I thought he has just about as much star potential as anyone. So to get that type of player at five would have been an A in my my book anyway. And then you get Jalen Duran, who I had number six on my board um, at 13 or acquire the rights from that pick at 13. I think that's a slam dunk. And I love what they did in the second round, getting Gabriel Prashida as well. So uh, I think they went three for three. And, and the bigger thing is rather than going three for three, they got potential stars. I, I said in the hot takes yesterday that I thought Jalen Duran would be an all-star in his first couple of years in the league. I think there's no better place for him than having Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey creating for him as being a lob threat and being the anchor to a defense for a really up and coming core. And then Jaden Ivey playing by Cade Cunningham that he can focus on scoring and then facilitating on dish outs to Sadiq Bay and, and Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart. I, I couldn't be happier if I were the Pistons. Um, and, and I think they won the draft by a significant, significant margin. Yeah, I might have even overreacted in the moment because I was so excited for the Pistons. You know, I was saying not only did they win the draft, I think they won it by a mile. So I'm, I'll kind of echo what the other others have said. But yeah, I had Ivy four. I was highest of pretty much anyone on Duran. I had him five on my board. And so to get those two talents, but also the value at where they got them, uh, like, I think they are going to rocket up the league pass rankings. I'm really excited to watch them next year. Just the excitement factor is going to be better on top of being a much better product on the floor. So easily my number one, you know, best draft today would be the Detroit Pistons. To think where they were just over a year ago, now they've added Cade, obviously is still the prize jewel, but then Ivy and Duran in this draft, it's been like, a best case scenario for them in the draft the last two years. Yeah. I mean, you can just look at how they've upgraded their athleticism at this time last year, they were probably one of the least athletic teams in the league. And now with Bagley and Duran and Ivy, they, they got some athletes. All right. Boom. Shakalaka. We have big news. The one and only NBA jam is back. Arcade one up is the leader in at home retro arcade games. It's not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a wait for it Shaq edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with the NBA legends in this arcade classic. You can jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire. And NBA Jam was one of the first sports games ever to feature real digitized, digitalized, oh, I'm tired, digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters are required. You can compete with friends and family through the all-new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. That is Arcade1Up.com with an estimated early September ship date. Arcade One Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and others starting at just $3.99. Now check this out. They are giving away an NBA Jam Shack Edition to a locked-on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at the arcade1up.com slash locked on. That is arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You have until July 8th to enter the win the NBA Jam Shaq Edition console. So don't miss out and enter today. 
Once again, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And it's kind of bittersweet in a sense because we are wrapping up this 2022 draft season. I know I'm looking forward to 2023. Part of me just wants to start talking about some new prospects. But before I can move on to the 2023 class, we still have to wrap up draft night, which was a wild night. It had a lot of trades, but no big names were moved. I thought there's going to be at least one or two big names, but it was just a bunch of teams just swapping out picks. And I wanted to ask the NBA big board crew their opinions on the Oklahoma City Thunder and some of the moves that they made. We'll start with you, Sam. If you had to, maybe it's too early to give a draft grade, but what were your thoughts of some of the the moves that the the Thunder made tonight? So it's definitely a mixed bag for me because, you know, as people that analyze the draft we do this year round, obviously we love the second round. We love later first round picks. But in the end, like most of the impact is going to come from the top 10 picks, like which of those guys can become all stars. That's generally what really defines the draft. And so overall, the Thunder did well. They got Chet Holmgren to me. I had him as the number one prospect. So I loved him going to Oklahoma City. However, what they did after that, I really wasn't a fan of. I thought they kind of cashed in a few of their chips. And Usman Jang, like interesting, not a guy that I would have picked that high. And then Jalen Williams, same thing. And so it's just kind of weird because they've kind of had a type where they love these scrawny guys that have some on-ball potential, uh, whether it was Poku, Chet, Jalen Williams, Usman Jang, just like a lot of overlapping skill sets, I feel like. And so I didn't love the value after the Chet pick. And so real mixed bag for me, I'd say I love the Chet pick. And then after that, the rest of their draft to me was actually one of my least favorite among the rest of the teams. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Leaf? I feel like the Thunder, just off the top of my head, it seems like they have 25 guys on their roster. <laughs> it just seems like there's a bunch of players on 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 the roster. Then you look at they added at least three more today. What are your thoughts on their draft overall? I was a little perplexed. I I think Jang didn't shock me where he was picked. I I was a little shocked that I wasn't shocked that it was the Thunder um, that took Jang. I, I thought there was a potential that he'd go to the Pelicans. I thought that you know what better team to go and try to develop while they're still rebuilding for a guy who's got a lot of talent and on ball, but they do have on ball guys. I really like Chet uh, as the number two pick. So I've got no qualms there. In fact, I like that pick the 11 and 12 confused me just because they're so different the way they, they both rose, but they rose in different ways. Um, Jalen Williams took this and this is Santa Clara's Jalen Williams. Uh, he took an astronomical rise based off his lottery testing with a 7-2 wingspan, a, a high vertical, and being the best player, arguably, in those combine scrimmages, all the way up to number 12. And I think he's a guy who I had at 22 on my board. I think it's hard to put so much faith in a guy who broke out junior year in a WCC um, to pay, pick in your lottery. Typically, the guys who are dominant in those type of leagues are, are younger and so that's something that concerns me a bit. And then Usman Jang is super young and he played in professional league and struggled early and then really had a good second half of the season. And I buy a lot of potential for him. 
but it did confuse me a little bit as to the thought they go one kind of boomer bust guy and and Usman Jang and at least that's the theory and then a safer seeming pick in Jalen Williams who's a veteran who's got a lot of um you know plug and play ability but it, he didn't fit the conventional pick by the Thunder and then I liked the Arkansas Jalen Williams pick in the second round so mixed bag for sure like Sam said uh, I think I think they'll get the best out of those guys, but I, I am curious to see the development path, especially with more picks on the way. And like you said, a a uh, roster that seemingly has twenty people when you're not supposed to have that many. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Richard? I guess I'll be the one to bite the bullet. I actually really liked their draft. I thought it was one of the better ones. Chet Holmgren pick. I uh, really think he addresses their obvious front court needs, and then staying in the front court and going the opposite end to their only second round pick. I was a huge fan of the Jalen Williams pick, uh, pick, excuse me. They got a monopoly on Jalen Williams is now in the league and the power forward slash center from Arkansas, Jalen Williams. He is versatile. I have, I have complete uh, faith in his upside as a shooter. I think he can guard multiple positions, takes charges at a Kyle Lowry level. Uh, so I think I really like that. And then you look at the wing production on Jalen Williams and Usman Jang. I get the cashing in the chips. I don't know if Usman Jang was really the guy that I would have gone for. That was my one minor qualm. But at the same time, you look at somebody who's great on defense as a team that has built a defensive identity. And he's, I think he's day one a defender. I love his on-ball defense. I think he's got potential to pass. Uh, we've seen some flashes of it. Jump shot's nice enough to project. Who knows? I think he's a good lottery ticket. Would I have given up 2023 20, picks? Hard to say. But they're probably late picks anyways. All right, I'll stick with you. What is their starting lineup next year? SGA, Giddy, Chet set center. Um, need to look up their roster. I think they're going to make some. I think they're going to make uh, some big changes this year because, I mean, like Leaf said, I mean, you can't have that many players. I think Darius Baisley's gone. Uh, I think Lou Dort probably starts. So what does that leave me? One spot, I think. Yeah. One spot. Um, at the four, well, it's not Jermichael Green. I think he's going to be gone. I'll just bite the bullet. I'm Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, I might, I really hope I'm not just missing somebody because I don't think Kenny Hustle, who knows if he comes back. Uh, I think that's their starting five. So SGA, Giddy, uh, Lou Dort, JRE, and Chet Holmgren. I think it actually complements each other well. The problem is just like, how do you decide what your bench rotation is? Yeah. Yeah. There's enough there's enough size there that if they wanted to plug Jalen Williams in right away, he's kind of a guy that's ready to play. And because some of those guys, those ball handlers are so big, like they can play another six, seven guy in Jalen Williams. And I would think if you're drafting an older player, especially the Thunder, you'd probably give him a lot of minutes right away. So that could be another option as well. What about you, Leaf? Starting five, do you have a, a guesstimation of, of who you think their starting five will be? I think four are pretty locked in, um, and that that would be Giddy, SGA, Dort, Chet, and and I I would lean toward uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but I could see playing uh, and maybe maybe Baisley. Actually, you know what? I'll go with Baisley. I'll go with Baisley sticking around and, and taking the starting four spot. So then their second units would have Jalen Williams, Trey Man, Trey Man, yeah. Um, Isaiah Roby, probably. Isaiah Roby. Both uh, Jalen Williams, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. 
The funny yeah. thing is Jalen Williams is like fairly similar to Jeremiah Robinson Earl, in my opinion, too. It's like they really do just have so many guys that are just like they have a couple elite prospects in Giddy and uh, in Chet. And then they have SGA and then they have a bunch of guys that I just don't really know with that could be solid, but they're kind of just like pretty meh prospects for me. So <laughs> it'll be really interesting to see, are they going to add more vets to this group? Or are they really going to run with like 13 young players on their team next year? <laughs> Sounds like they have 18 young players. All right. When we return, we'll get some more information from the, the NBA big board crew about their thoughts on this draft. But before that, let's talk to you about Bet Online. It is the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the safest and the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your sports events, MMA, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, last segment. Actually, you know what? Let's, I think this can take up a whole segment. Biggest surprises in the draft. I don't know where to start. I feel like there were so many surprises. I'll go with the most obvious, at least to me, and I tweeted about it, was Patrick Baldwin going in the first round. I was absolutely stunned by that. I just listened to Gavoni on ESPN say they took him like 15 spots ahead of where he was and where he heard he was going. I mean, I guess if you're the Warriors, you're coming off a championship, you can gamble on on Patrick Baldwin Jr., in my opinion, I've kind of been hard on him. He hasn't played good since his junior year of high school. Didn't play much his senior year, didn't have a good year. And on top of not really shooting it well, when he's been labeled as a shooter, he's had some injury issues. And so it's very interesting that it, it seems like his injury issues were, I guess, overlooked. And it seems like A.J. Griffin's injury issues probably played a major role in him sliding down to 16. I don't think anybody had him outside of the lottery. I hadn't seen him mocked outside of the lottery all season. So those are two of my biggest surprises. I know there's a quite quite a few more I can name. But what were your biggest surprises, Leaf? I think the first one that stuck out to me uh, was David Roddy. Uh, he, he went 23rd, <laughs> and I had him uh at 64 i think <laughs> um so so that one certainly shocked me uh i i think i thought he was going to go in the second round i personally had him just outside um as for a slide I, I think you touched on aj griffin i was a little surprised that he fell uh beyond 14 at the Cavs at the lowest i thought was his kind of his bottom spot and they took Ogbaji, which similar archetype it was a three and d i think you, the, the freshman aj griffin who's 18 one of the youngest players in the draft uh, I expect it to be uh, taken there with with more upside to score and Agbaji obviously more maybe more re ready but that was a shock on the slide and but the Roddy one and then I don't want to touch on Richard's uh, favorite favorite one I, th I think is coming but that one shocked me as well so I I'm pretty sure I know it's coming from him yeah I uh, I I'll ease my way into it 
really the 20, I, I think from the 20th pick, and this is not, uh, I'll just dive into it. The 20th pick to the 40th pick was all very surprising to me. Um, Malachi Branham sliding way out of the lottery. I knew he was kind of trending downwards, but to 20, I was really surprised. I don't care about the fit. I like him there. Christian Brown, I wasn't high on that pick, but uh, I get it. But after that, it goes Walker Kessler. I really didn't think he was going to get a first-round pick. David Roddy, like you said, Leaf, didn't think he was going to get a first-round pick. Blake Wesley going to 25. Wendell Moore lasting to 26. I thought he was for sure going in the teens. Like you said, Patrick Baldwin, Raphael, Ty Ty Washington, green room invite, 29th pick. And then I'm going to stop at this point. I won't even touch the 30 to 40 guys. There was a lot of confusion there as to – you know, how some of those guys slid and some of them went a little bit early, but Peyton Watson at 30. What are we doing here? This is a guy who has the worst collegiate stats of any player drafted this century. He averaged an incredible three points a game, three rebounds a game on 32% shooting. There are red flags with him in his game, not having scaled up from high school to the FIBAs, not having scaled up from high school to college. Suddenly we're, the excuse I've always heard is, oh, well, it's a bad system in, in UCLA. Okay, bad systems, though, don't mean that, like, nothing matters. I mean, Tari Eason didn't have the greatest environment around him in Cincinnati, broke out at LSU. He still doubled all of those numbers and way more efficient at Cincinnati. So I, I personally don't buy it. I don't think he's somebody you want to give a guaranteed contract to. I'd be very surprised if he gets that third-year uh, team option or that fourth-year team option, excuse me, picked up. Yeah, I was shocked to see him in the first round, too. I, I knew he would get drafted in the 30s just because teams are looking for athletic ball handling wings. But the thing about this draft that is kind of confusing to me is, like, what what matters? Like, what what is important? You know, like, is it production? Is it upside? Is it your high school resume? And I can name, like, situations where, like, for example, and I'll go back to Patrick Baldwin. He didn't play well, but he was drafted ahead of uh, Jaden Hardy, who was – he averaged 17 points per game in, in the G League. I would think that your G League numbers would at least give you the the nod over a college guy if they were significantly better. And I mean, Peyton Watson, like you said, he averaged like, what, three points per game? He went ahead of Hardy. And then Michael Foster had good numbers in the G League, and he didn't get drafted. And so I, it's – I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of interesting. And then you can go back to, like, David Roddy. Roddy had an absolutely awful combine, and he ends up being a, a first-round pick. All right, last question. Uh, Hardy, what, what do you think about Hardy? Again, a guy that was a projected top-five pick coming into this season. If you would have told me he averaged 17 points per game coming into the year, I, I would have, you know, that would have been shocking to me. If you would have told me he was going to be inefficient with his scoring, that would not have surprised me at all. But were you surprised that his inefficiency in the G League hurt him this much to where he fell to 37? I think kind of like the main theme of the second round to me was, in my opinion, so many of these guys could have benefited from going back either to school or transferring or just playing another year. Like, I'm just going to go quickly down through the second round of freshmen that disappointed but still went in the draft. 
Caleb Houston, Max Christie, Jaden Hardy, Kennedy Chandler, Bryce McGowan's, Trevor Keels, um, and uh, J.D. Davison. There, there's like 10 guys in there that like I would have advised all those guys to go back. And I just think the risk reward would have been better for them to try to boost their stock. Um, when you're getting drafted 45th, like the NBA team that you're drafted to just really doesn't have that much incentive to put that much time and effort into your development. Like if you don't play well for a year and a half, then all of a sudden you're bouncing around. You might not ever make it in the league. So why not go back for the NIL money, try to prove yourself and have a better second year, either in college or wherever you decide to play. I feel like we've gotten to a point now where I would argue too many of these guys are entering the draft. And like, to your point, I don't know why some guys are going higher. Like why on earth, Peyton Watson goes 30 and then 48 Kendall Brown. Like how was there almost 20 spots of difference there? I, I just don't get it. And so if it were me, I would have advised a lot of these guys to probably go back a second year, try and prove yourself, you know, pull a Johnny Davis or a Keegan Murray. And like, if you're not good enough, then you probably weren't going to make it in the NBA anyway. Right. But why not go back and try to prove yourself instead of being the 45th pick in the draft I know it's everybody's individual decision, but I think I'd advise more people to probably try and do that kind of moving forward. Yeah, before I go to leave, I want to add that imagine you're the, the agent and then you tell your guy not to work out at the combine because you think that you have him a, a baseline or a floor at the end of the first round. And so you look at Kendall Brown, who didn't participate at the combine, he falls to 48 <laughs> so like jd davison 53 and i remember specifically talking to a scout and he felt like what did jd davison do to make him feel comfortable enough to where he did not have to participate at the combine yeah i i think there's business decisions being made and some are prudent and some are not i i think that we've referenced this a few times Jaden hardy may have lost 20 million dollars uh, Johnny Juzang may have lost a lot of money last year because he played in the combine and, and I applaud the fact that he actually played in it, but he did not play well. And he, he yeah. could have been a first round pick kind of riding the Dante DiVincenzo wave of his really awesome March madness tournament. Um, and then, you know, Kendall Brown and JD Davison are interesting answers here or, or David Roddy played, but he didn't do well. And he and goes then, uh, to So you, not so you to never cut you know. off, but. Jalen Williams played and he got all the way up to the lottery. Like he went from, you know, early second to 12. So it's like he played and he probably gained eight, nine million dollars. So it's like there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason to it. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. I I uh, I think it's I'm a proponent of 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 show your worth, like play, play, and 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 if you're good enough, you're gonna make it. Um, as for Jaden Hardy, though, I wish he had played in the combine. I, I think he's a guy who could have thrived in that environment, similar to the way Bones Highland did, similar to the way Terquavion Smith did uh, before taking his name out of the draft. Uh, Jaden Hardy, to me, uh, earned his stripes of, of being the on-ball creator, the guy who was tasked with taking the most shots against high school All-Americans and former pros in the G League. And the fact that he was the lead scorer, albeit inefficient, as an 18-year-old playing against grown men, uh, warrants some attraction to me as a as an idea that 
you know, he can score against pros. If you give him time to develop once he's 19, 20, 21, I think that he'll be able to pay off, especially at 37, but I would have taken him in the first round pretty comfortably because of the fact that he can score. He shot 88% from the free throw line, creates separation on his jump shot. And I think there's a role in the league for people who can do that at that age against that level of competition. So to address all those points, those are kind of my thoughts. Richard wasn't high on that selection for the Mavs. Yeah, I, uh, I just I'm sour on Jaden Hardy. I, I don't think guys in his archetype really thrive anymore in the NBA. I think it was an exception to the rule last year that Cam Thomas is probably going to be a good NBA player. Uh, I think he separates himself a lot differently because he doesn't turn the ball over. I think his feel for the game is so strong, tight, tighter handle, I think, and better jump shot. So to me, I see him as a lesser Cam, Cam uh, Thomas. And that's alarming to me. Dallas is a very good spot for him. I'm willing to be optimistic and see what can what he can do in the, as, as growing next to Luka Doncic. But ultimately, he's going to have to really adapt his game to what is asked of him. He's going to have to become more of an off-ball player because he actually wasn't bad at that. But he's going to have to learn how to balance his on-ball habits and abilities to play to the team's strength. So I, I think it's a little bit of a learning curve. Yes, he's young, has some intriguing tools offensively, but if he's not scoring, how's he going to impact the game very much? All right. Last question for everybody. Who is the guy that was not on your big board that was drafted? At least for me, there's a couple. I, I did not have a um, guy. I can't remember the name. The, the Brazilian kid, Gui Santos. Gui I had Santos, watched this film. Yeah. Gui Santos. I watched this film. I was actually hoping while I was on Europe to, find a way to sneak out to Brazil to watch him play. I thought that he was more so someone for 2023, but I did not have him as someone that was on my top 60. I mean, do I need to say mine? Yeah. <laughs> I had Peyton Watson ranked. Uh, I'm not going to say the number out of respect, but very low. Well, if you didn't have him at 60, <laughs> so it was, 70, yeah, it 80. Was, keep going. 90. Keep going. A hundred? Keep going. <laughs> like it was it was lower than a hundred. And did you have him ranked ahead or below me? <laughs> well, you know, I had to factor in upside. Um, <laughs> so I, I have him just a hair over you. Okay. Leaf, what about you? There are a few as always, but uh the, the main one that stuck out to me was Carlo Makovic. I, I I didn't I didn't see him play much, so I was a little unfamiliar. I saw some highlights of him throwing down some monster dunks uh recently, but I didn't know much about him, and so he was outside of my board. And then uh yeah, that was the main one. Luke Travers got picked fifty-sixth. I, I also had him down low. So those were the two for me. Yeah, at least I saw Makovic. I saw him at the combine, and I, I knew that he there was a possibility. Like he really made a name for himself by just dunking at the combine. Not not saying that what he did throughout the season wasn't you know didn't play a role, but he really just kind of stood at the combine, and he saw the athleticism and, and the size, and, and I, I figured he could at least get drafted at the back end. I didn't have him on my list. Well, thank you guys. I know you're tired. I'm tired. It is one o'clock in the morning, 107 a.m. here in Dallas. I mean, leave it. It's still early where he's at, probably not even eight o'clock. But thank you guys for a great season. And thank you for all the listeners that have 
checked out the Locked On NBA Big World Pop Podcast. Promise you we'll be even bigger and better in 2023. Once again, thank you for listening to the Locked On NBA Big World Podcast. I'm Rafael Barlow. Got the Locked On NBA Big Board crew, Richard Stamen, Leaf Chulim, Sam Ferris, and we are out.